Welcome to the Teacher Transition Podcast, where we celebrate the amazing things former teachers are now doing outside of the classroom. And where teachers who are considering making a move of their own can find the resources, guidance, and support that they need to take their next steps. I'm your host, Allie Parrish, and I'm so glad that you're here. Hey, before we hop into today's episode, I want to send a special shout out to Kelly. Do you guys remember me telling you just a few weeks ago how Kelly on LinkedIn has been paving a path and setting an example that is so needed? And that is being open and talking about transitioning from teaching to other things. It's really hush-hush in a lot of cases. Well, Kelly has now landed a job at an exciting education company. And she's going to be working flexibly. They told her, hey, work as much as you want. This is her last year of teaching because she is retiring. She's worked all the way to a full retirement. And so they said, hey, finish out your year. They wanted her to. So she's going to be working to the end of the school year and working as much as she'd like on so many different exciting projects with training, with developing resources, content material, writing, a lot of different things. I'm so excited for you, Kelly. I've loved having you in the membership and in the course. I'm here for you and supporting you as long and as much as you like with all of that, but just really, really proud, proud of all that you've done. And just another plug and shout out for the amazing example and influence that you're having by sharing your transition story openly. You guys, that's needed. Be open about it. It shouldn't be hush-hush. Transitioning from teaching should no longer be a taboo topic. It should be something that you're proud of because you're able to do this and you have the personal initiative to pave the path for your own future. So great job, Kelly. I'm so excited for you and to keep hearing more about it. Hey, you guys, I am so excited for today's episode with Bonnie Moore. Bonnie has been on the podcast before, but in case you didn't hear that episode, let me give you a little bit of background. Bonnie taught for many years, and she taught a lot of different subjects, including choral music, mathematics, science, and she was also an assistant principal and a principal, and she worked at their central office with administration in various roles with curriculum and training and also HR and a lot of other things. So she has a wealth of experience. But even with that, sometimes as teachers or in the education space, we can feel like, oh, but I'm just a teacher or, oh, I'm just an administrator. I can't really work in you know the corporate world or in other ways. Well, you're going to see in this episode how that is not the case and how we need to reframe what our experience has been and translate it into different terminology so we can really see what we are doing and set ourselves up for success for roles in the future. Bonnie is an incredible example of this. Teachers often ask me, how can I become a trainer? Or how can I become a consultant? Or how can I start my own company? How can I work for other companies and organizations? Bonnie is going to demonstrate, coach, and talk about all of this in this episode. And not only that, Bonnie is going to be one of our guests at our upcoming summit where you can learn from her directly 
about all of this and how you can make it happen too. To get more info on that, go to teachertransition.com forward slash summit, and you can get all of the details and sign up. But let's go ahead and jump into this incredible interview where Bonnie shows us by example, the incredible things she did after retirement and that you can do in following her example as well. Okay, Bonnie, we are so excited to learn from you about what it is like to be a trainer. And I know you've referred to this also as your own consulting company. Can you tell people a little bit about, you know, just the term training is so different when different people are referring to it, but tell them what you mean by training and consulting and what you do for work now. So training, consulting, facilitation, those three words are usually used uh, interchangeably with the idea that you are either in front of face-to-face or virtually in front of several people, a group, a large group, and you are providing uh, content, hopefully in an interactive way. And so training is about taking the content the client or the company wants you to disseminate and doing that for them in a way that is engaging, in a way that is interactive, in a way that is creative, and in a way that is sustainable. And those are the things that that corporate and nonprofit uh, organizations are looking for. Corporate nonprofit are wonderful at the stand up, let me tell you what you need to know how to do it and let me show you my PowerPoint. What I discovered when I made the transition by doing interactive things, by doing small groups within a large group, by doing uh, creative things, by pushing people out of their comfort zones and providing much more interaction, much more team building within content, and then also including things that made it relevant to their company, their organization. If you're teaching a concept, then how do they take that concept and use it in a project that they're currently working on? How do they see using what they're learning in the next six months? If what you train, facilitate, or consult is not sustainable, you're not going back to that company. You're what we call a one and done. What you want to do is you want to show them your value and worth by being sustainable. Teachers have an incredible gift in knowing how to be interactive, knowing how to solicit uh, ideas, questions, information from their students. You need to look at the adults that you're working with, students. They're also sponges and want to soak everything up. Um, But We have to do it so that people can feel like their time is valued, that they are learning something and that they, it is relevant to them and they can use it tomorrow. Bonnie, I want to ask you a few questions that I know our audience is really excited to learn from you. Obviously you are doing training and consulting uh, independently as a contractor, consultant, Can you give insight into what does your usual month look like? What is your life balance like? 
um, and and a schedule. You know, what's what's a normal month, a normal week, or a normal day like as a trainer? Well, first of all, Allie, the word normal is not in my lifetime, at least now that I own my own business. When I was an educator, we went to school. I went to school at seven in the morning. I got home at six or seven at night. I did all those things. And as an administrator, I was at school till 10, several nights a week. That was normal. As a, as a owner of a business and as the primary um staff person of my business that does most of the work. Um, There are some days where I have nothing to do uh, because I'm all done or I am just in the planning stages. And so my my day might be uh, doing that needs analysis, uh, putting together a contract, reviewing and researching that company online or designing training. it might be having conversations. Uh, Then it might be, there might be several days in a row where I'm delivering content, where I'm facilitating sessions, whether I'm doing uh, team building exercises or group dynamics. Um, I am also a certified executive coach, so I might be coaching an individual or a group. Um, It really, in my business, goes in spurts, Q1, seems to be all about the planning. Uh, Q2, there's a lot of uh, face-to-face or virtual facilitation because they've planned in Q1 with their strategic planning, so I'm doing a lot in Q2. Q3, July, August, September, people are on vacation. So again, this is now the time when I'm back in my own office doing a lot of things. And then Q4, um, I'm finishing up projects. I'm continuing to work with folks. Uh, People go, oh, my goodness, we have money in our budget left before the end of the year. We have to spend it. Bonnie, can you come? Bonnie, can you do this session? So there's really no uh, there's really no pattern to things, but they tend to run in in um, kind of kind of groups. Uh, One of my clients, when one group decides to have me facilitate or come in, five more decide they want me to come and I'm busy for three weeks but then I may not be busy doing the facilitating for the next month. So um, you have to be flexible. The first year of your business is very difficult because you're not in that individual schedule that we had as educators. Uh, And you feel like sometimes you should be doing something and other times you don't feel like you have time. Um, I will say this, work-life balance is incredibly important. Your clients need to understand that as of, let's say, 6 p.m., you don't answer emails and phone calls until the next morning. And then you, as the owner or the the business, need not to do that. Um, We, as educators, answered emails and did stuff at all hours of every day. You need to set parameters. This is the great thing about having your own business. When you start your business, you can set those parameters. And if you will live within your own boundaries and parameters that you set for your clients, work-life balance can be done really, really well. So great and so true about work-life balance. Starting with that end in mind of what do you want your life to be like? Okay, now we're going to create a company toward that is, is so helpful. Bonnie, can you share anything about how you find your clients if someone's trying to get started? And I know that you're going to be training 
teachers on how to do some of this in an upcoming event that we have. And I'll link to that below, but just any initial insights on how to find clients. And if someone's trying to figure out things about pricing, how to start, just how to get started with that. Finding your clients. Clients are everywhere. As a teacher right now, you have a number of clients or potential clients who are parents. They work for organizations. Talk to them. Find out what kind of learning and development or training is happening in their companies now. Find out from them what they like to see. Um, That might help you focus where you're going. Um, If you attend a church, find out from your church folks. If you belong to a civic organization of some kind, ask. Clients are everywhere. And unless you're out there asking and letting people know what you do, um, they're not going to know. Don't be afraid to have your family and friends sell you to their family and friends. Uh, Networking is incredibly important. As I mentioned, associations earlier, several of my clients I got through the Association of Talent Development. By belonging to that organization and meeting those folks, I was introduced to people in the corporate world uh, in a couple of cases a consultant came to me and said, look, this is not work that I do, but this is work you do. Can I introduce you to this client? And so I got it through that means. Or in the Association of Talent Development, in SHRM, and the Association for Change Management, those are three groups that I belong to. All of them have local groups. Well, organizations send their people to those groups for professional development and continuing education. So you can meet people inside corporations who will need training and development, and you can meet them at those events, attending those types of activities, their lunch and learns, their conferences, their conventions are great ways. Best way to find clients is word of mouth. Get a client or two and then ask them to recommend you to their colleagues, ask you to recommend you to other people in their business across the country. Uh, And once that gets started, you're in good shape. That's so great. Okay, Bonnie, if a teacher is still teaching and they just want to start this on the side, let's say they've put together all of the, you know, how to build your own business, things that we have in that course resource, and they're just getting started on the side, they have a first client and they are trying to decide how much should I charge or should I even charge for this? Should this just be any internship experience, you know, like an internship experience, any recommendations for those just starting? As far as pricing for those just starting, if they have not gone out and observed or done an internship or sat in another outside consultants training to watch how it's done uh, and they don't have that corporate perspective, they may want to do some pro bono work. My suggestion would be do your pro bono work at a church, at a nonprofit, for the Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts, some organization that really can't pay for training but needs it. Go try your stuff there. Um, That allows you to get the experience and it allows an organization who needs what you have um, to get that experience that training and it gets you exposure. So that would be the place that I would do pro bono. If you actually have a client 
then you've signed a contract with them. By belonging to the organizations that I met before, as well as doing some research, you can see what the going rates for consulting are. Consulting, depending upon what you're offering, varies anywhere from $100, $200 an hour up to $5,000, $6,000 a day. Uh, and it depends on what you're offering. It depends on how you bundle it. Does it include your travel? Are you providing all the materials or are you asking them to provide the materials? So I would say um, some of your organizations can give you an idea. Talk to, if you belong to those organizations, talk to other consultants, see what's the going rate in your area. What I would charge in Houston and what I charge my clients in New York City are two totally different fee structures. And that's because of having to go there, having to do things and the expectation. So um, I really can't say this is the amount you charge per hour or this is the amount you charge per day because it depends on what you're offering, what you're including, where you're doing it. Is it a is it a one or two day thing and then you're done? Is it included in an ongoing contract? Um, and so that's going to take some research and some some investigation by those that are out there starting. Absolutely, so true. About you know, it depends on the location. It depends on what you're offering, right? If it's make a PowerPoint or if it's come in and consult, help us identify what we need to do. You know, kind of really consult and advise us on this. Anyway, just so many different types of work and scenarios and if there's travel involved and all of that. And again, for those listening in that in that resource of how to build your business, it has templates for pricing as well that are beautifully designed and that you can share with future clients as well. So again, all of it's all of it's built and ready for you, templatized so you can edit it and make the adjustments that you need but gets you started off on a really ramped up, ready to roll kind of a way. So fantastic. So when you, can can you just walk us through the scenario of you working with a certain company, how you, how you set it up and, and carry it out. If you're preparing presentations or just delivering their presentations, could you also give us examples of some of the companies that you work with? You don't have to necessarily name them individually if you don't want to, but are they in the education sector or not? Any insights? I work with educational institutions. I work with nonprofits at community and state levels and international levels whether they're uh, service organizations or humanitarian organizations, I work with them and I work uh, primarily now with corporate. Corporate, I have uh, folks from the food and beverage industry. I have folks from the banking industry, from the insurance industry, from the automotive industry, from the energy industry, from the technology industry. Um, I have a number of, of a variety of clients that I work with in the United States and globally. That's amazing. Are they mostly, when you do a job with one of these companies, are they mostly ongoing or a one-time opportunity? When I started out, Allie, it was what I called a one and done. I went in, I heard what they had to say. I created the training. I walked in and did it for them and I left. 
I learned over time that number one, I would have never done that in the educational field. In the educational field, I spiraled curriculum. I made sure that I built upon what happened before. I made sure my curriculum was relevant and usable. So I started doing that in my business. And so when I go in now, I set up my contracts so that I am with them usually for a minimum of two years. And in some cases, I'll go in and we'll sign a five-year deal. But what I do is number one, either I approach the company or they approach me. We sit down and have a discussion about what they're looking for. And I do a lot of listening. I ask a lot of questions. I look at their website. I ask to speak to some of their leaders. I ask to speak to some of their frontline workers. If they're asking, let's say, for a middle management leadership program, I ask to speak to those middle management folks who are going to become these leaders. And only after I do this and do a needs assessment, then do I come back with my my proposal and my contract. Because if I'm going to spend the next two to five years with these folks, I want them to find value in what I do. And I also want the work that I do to be valued. Uh, It's horrible when you uh, are in the classroom and you talk to kids that have been in your class two or three years later. Well, no, I used anything that you me. That's also what we don't want to hear in the nonprofit in corporate world. Oh, yeah, Bonnie came in. She did this, but we've never used it since. Um, And so. I do my homework ahead of time. I do my research ahead of time about the company and I decide if it's a fit for me. And then when I do, I move forward. And I can tell you from my experience, my experience only, when I take this time to do all this research and put it together in the last 15 years, basically, of running my own company, I have only had two contracts that I have never had a company sign because they were so pleased that I knew who they were, what they needed, how they did things, that they felt like I was the one who was going to be able to provide solutions. This is so, so helpful to hear all of this. You know, in our instructional design course, you you called it a needs assessment. You called it a needs assessment. We also refer to that as a needs analysis, but really getting to know what is needed before designing and coming up with solutions. So helpful. And it's really important, Allie, to have those conversations because when you walk in at the beginning and what they tell you they want and need and what they really want and need sometimes is really totally different. And sometimes it is what they want to need. But as you have those conversations, you find other ways you can add value, which then allows you to add what I call options or add-ons to the contract. You can sign a contract for this, but as you work with them, if they are interested in A or B or C, you are also willing to provide that and an additional addendum to the contract. And once they get to know you and they see how well you work with their staff and they see the value in what you do, they want to add those things on, which means you are sustainable for them. And this company is now sustainable for you. That's so great. You know, a couple of things are coming to mind. One in our 
instructional design course, we have templates for a needs analysis. This is bringing a couple of thoughts to mind. One of them is in our instructional design course, we have a template for for people to use when they're doing those that needs assessment or the needs analysis kind of a conversation. Not that you know, it lists here is exactly what you need to ask. I mean, it does that definitely, but really those are very natural conversations. You know, it's, it's getting to know their needs. It's going to look different with every client, every project and company, but such a good example. And then the other resource that's coming to mind is I just um, taught a live class in our membership and recorded it. We'll turn it into an online course, but of how to create your own company, like how to start your own business. And you mentioned signing contracts with companies. And for some teachers, they're probably like, this sounds really cool. And like what I want to do, but I have no idea about that kind of technical stuff. We have contract templates, um, multiple types, and they've been developed with lawyers. And I paid hundreds of dollars to get them kind of legally approved um, originally, but those are all provided as templatized resources to help teachers get that going as well. But any other insights that you'd like to share into those that, that side of it, setting up projects or anything like that? Well, Allie, one thing I will say is they need to use the resources out there that you've provided. The first couple of times that I worked without a contract, because I didn't think I needed one as a teacher, our word was our bond, and we just, this is what we said. I discovered that if you don't have it in writing, things can change, things can be interpreted differently. And You want them to know exactly what you will do, and you want to know exactly what they will do for you. So it's really important that you do have a contract, even though even if it's just basic. And if you have templates, that's wonderful, folks. Use those. But uh, it's a business arrangement. Um, And so we need to work in the business format. Uh, As you start your own business, Make sure that you keep your personal finances and your business finances separate. I highly suggest that you go get your own business checking account, business savings account, business credit card, and talk to your tax advisor. Get that all set up ahead of time. Um, I know a number of teachers. I spoke to one yesterday. In fact, he sent me his resume and I was helping him because he's wanting to make the transition he heard our conversation with Lisa on the ATD podcast. And uh, I said, do you have a doing a doing business as for your personal company? He has a personal company because he provides services. And he said, well, no, I never thought about it. I just, you know, handshake with somebody and do this. I said, for tax purpose, as well as for your own credibility, If you're not going to launch into your business and get an LLC or LLP, then you need a DBA. You need to set yourself up as a business. You need to make that mind shift from I am a teacher to I am a CEO of my own business. Um, And so in starting your business, uh, get get those things taken care of for the the first uh, seven or eight years of my business. I did my own website. I did my own marketing. I did my own uh, social media. I did my own things because money was tight. But as I was able to grow my business, I then worked, as Allie does, with a colleague, with colleagues who 
have that niche. And there are a number of colleagues out there who enjoy doing that social media piece or that website piece or the marketing piece or the the administrative billing piece. Um, And these folks are willing to do just that part of it for you at a fraction of the cost of a big company that you might hire. So look at all those resources out there, begin to network, begin to barter. Some of the things that I do for other companies, uh, they do what they do for me. And there's no money that changes hands, but it's an hourly thing and we barter back and forth with services. And I also think that networking is incredibly important. As you build your business, as you try to grow your business, network, join professional organizations, whether it's the Association of Talent Development, whether it's the HR SHRM, whether it's change management, get into an organization, a chapter in your area and make those connections um, so so that you can grow your business through your network as well. So helpful. Okay. Thank you, Bonnie. Bonnie, can you also tell us, oh, actually, let me add first off for people who are like, okay, so I want to do this or I want to start my own business and do this somewhat on the side in that that resource that we have, and I'll link to it in the show notes, it goes through all of this. So in less than an hour, a person can know, you know, what is a DBA, a doing business as? How do I prepare for taxes? Which bank account type should I choose? Uh, what what does a contract look like? What do I need in it? Can I just have a template? Any of the legal setup? And you know, we talk we talk about contracts. We talk about insurance. If if someone wants to add that on as well, but basically all of the bones that a person really needs to to make and create their business and get it started, we've got all of that in that resource. So I will link to that below because because my experience was I it just took a long time to learn all of that and to figure it all out on my own, and it took a lot of money. And so we just want to be able to help people get that up and going as as seamlessly and quickly as possible. So, but Bonnie, can you, yes, please. I can't, I can't say how important that is that people look at your resources. I've looked at Allie's resources, but I can say that if she's got them out there for you, look at them. It took me seven or eight of my 15 years, half of my company time now, to learn how to run my business effectively and efficiently. I wasted a lot of money and I wasted a lot of time because I tried to do everything myself. And so we don't need to reinvent the wheel. And if someone has already done some of this and vetted it for you and it's out there, use your resources. I know that teachers who are listening to this podcast You remember that team member that you worked with, you sat down, you planned together, you shared things, you gave them things that made them better and made their classes better for their students. You took things from them, ideas, activities, you used those or you took the bones of those and adjusted them to make them work for you. You didn't do it in isolation. So don't try to start your own company in isolation work together uh, and work with the resources that are already out there. You'll be much more successful, much more quickly. Thanks, Bonnie. There definitely is a kind of a subculture or some kind of culture with teaching. Oftentimes that it's like, oh, okay, I need to do this 
some aspects by myself or not pay any money for these things, right? And at least what I've seen very clearly with starting my own business, businesses, is that it ultimately will cost you a lot more money and a lot more time. And time can also be very expensive if it's like, okay, that took me two years of my life to figure that out that I could have really expedited it and had it done in like a week or a day if it's just learning the content, right? Exactly right. right. And I think another comment I do want to make right here is as you start your business, the inclination is take every opportunity, take every contract you can get. You really need to be careful about that because as you just said, Allie, time is money. And if you take a contract and you find out that it it's really not what you love to do. It's really not going to get you anywhere after you do it. It's a one and done. Um, they're not paying you as much for your time as you thought they were. I mean, the money up front sounded great, but when you got into the project, it took you twice as long. We have to be able to say no. Educators have trouble saying no. We always want to help. We always want to go the extra mile that can cost you in your business. So as you take contracts, as you look at opportunities, look at it as number one, is this something I really want to do? Is this going to further my career? Is this going to further my business? But most of all, is it going to make me happy? If it does, then do it, regardless of the amount of money, regardless of the amount of time. But too often we jump on and try to take on everything because we're trying to make money because we're so afraid of not having it. And that can really cost you monetarily uh, with your materials, with your time, and with your own, your own physical and mental well-being if you're doing too much and it isn't all what you want to do. Well said. I refer sometimes to, you know, build a business that's really serving you. And just the yeah. analogy of um, Frankenstein versus Baymax. So if, if someone hasn't seen Big Hero 6, someone invents this um, kind of artificial intelligence helper, assistant, right? And it serves them. It's kind, it's friendly, it's helpful. It benefits them in so many ways. But basically the contrast of if you're building a business, don't build a freaking Frankenstein, right? Something that's going to that you're really not going to enjoy. It's it's something kind of freaky. It, it takes over your life, so to speak. And then you wish that you didn't build it in the first place. Build right. a business that's a Baymax, right? That it's benefiting you. It's benefiting others, but it serves you in the way that you want it to. Don't be doing work that you don't want to do. Or you know, if, if you want certain life flexibility or things like that, we just... Anyway, the, the resource that I'll link below this episode will, will help with all of that and, and illustrate that more too. So... Excellent. Bonnie, thank you so much. Just to wrap up, can you tell us if you were to go back and give yourself any advice when you were trying to make the transition or, or identify what what to do next, right? Like you said it, you were seven weeks into retirement and you're like, okay, hey, I'm, I'm doing my next thing. If there was a time in your path when you needed encouragement, can you speak to that teacher or administrator right now? Just what, what advice or encouragement would you give to yourself back then from where you are now and what you know? Believe in yourself. We tend to think 
we're not ever quite good enough and we tend to think, oh, we're moving from education to corporate. My goodness, that's a huge jump. Um, when I switched, um, I was, my husband, who was a, a lifetime corporate person, we were discussing my my exit from education and my change and what I was going to do. And I kept saying, well, I'm just a principal. I was just an administrator. I just did this. And when he turned to me and said, Bonnie, you were the CEO of a $5 million company with 140 employees and 1,500 clients, as well as additional clients in their parents, you had a facility that you had to manage. You had an operating and maintenance budget of about $4 million. You provided HR. You provided instructional design and curriculum. You provided logistics. You provided strategy. You provided... I went, oh my gosh. I really did all those things. So I think as you're beginning to make that transition... Learn the corporate language and learn what you're already doing and how it does transfer and then believe that you can do it. Because as I mentioned earlier, we always see ourselves kind of in second place. Um, We answer to everyone and we are not encouraged by everyone. And we need to know that we have lots to offer and and we can move forward. And I so I think it's believing in yourself, networking, finding that mentor who will encourage you. You may want to hire a coach to help you find those directions that you're looking for. So uh, that would be my my advice from the beginning. That is uh, so great. And I know career coaches can cost thousands of dollars. And there are some teachers in our community who have purchased career coaches like that and haven't had success. And then they found our, our membership. Thank you. So I, I speak for everyone out there that you have unique background and skill and so much. And I just can't thank you enough for, for everything you've shared. Well, Allie, thanks for the opportunity. That's what we do as educators. We like to give back. And so now that I'm in the twilight of my career, it's a real joy for me to be able to share and give back. And so thank you for the opportunity to do this. And I look forward to uh, hearing and seeing about people's success and excited about your upcoming summit. Awesome. Bonnie, thank you so much. You guys, wasn't that incredible? Bonnie is sharing so much institutional knowledge about how to do this really successfully. I think I speak for all of us in in saying like there are so few people who do this and have her experience and expertise and are willing to share it. So if this is helping you and if you can can see kind of how rare of advice and insight what she has shared is, please go ahead and if you have time, please leave a review on our podcast. That helps other teachers who are looking for this kind of help to be able to find it. Okay, you guys have a great week. I hope you know that you are incredibly valued, incredibly valuable. You're doing amazing things and there are amazing things to come. Are you considering doing something other than teaching or did you teach in the past and now you're looking for different opportunities? I know what it can be like to wonder for a long time, what else could I do? And now we're going to show you. 
come join me and so many amazing former teachers as they show you what they do for work now. If you would be a good fit for it, what you would love about it, and how you can land those opportunities. Whether you want to start small with a side hustle on the side, whether you want to create your own business, maybe as a freelancer or a contractor, if you want to become a trainer or an educational consultant, maybe you want to work at an ed tech company or get started in a variety of roles that builds on your experience in the classroom and takes you to your next step. Come join us at the summit where you will learn from all of these former teachers, as well as experts on things like how to optimize your LinkedIn profile so that recruiters will see your profile and know that you're the perfect fit. We've listened to what you want. We've identified the best people to help teach you these things, and we've lined them up for the summit. Go to teachertransition.com forward slash summit to get all of the details and to sign up today. This episode may have ended, but connecting doesn't have to. Join us on Facebook or Instagram and get the support and inspiration you need in your personal educator path. If you're loving the podcast, help us spread the word. Leave a review or screenshot the episode, share it on social media, and be sure to tag us at Teacher Transition. Who knows? We may even feature what you share on our social media feed too. Until next time, teacher friends, Be sure to click subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the upcoming episodes. Good luck with the great things you're up to right now and keep looking forward to the amazing things to come.